Loud music, heavyweights, strong friends. This is GGPL. Confidence. <laughs> I laugh after I even say that. Uh, confidence, we all know, or at least we have an idea of what that even means. You know, a little while ago on the one of the first episodes, uh, by the way, this is episode number five. This is David Hensler with the GGPL podcast. Thanks for joining in. Uh, I'm just going to hit record. I'm talking about confidence now. If you've been listening thus far, thank you. If you've emailed me, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, If you've emailed me and texted me, thank you, thank you, thank you, exclamation mark, uh, emoji, emoji. Um, So episode number five, confidence. We hear it. We see it. There's memes all over the place. There's inspirational posters and calendars and who knows, there's probably a bunch of apps that talk to you about confidence and there's quotes and there's songs, right? There's everywhere, everywhere we go, there's something about confidence. And uh, that's such an interesting theme to me because uh, I have struggled with that up until right now, this second, even when I hit record, What's the first thing I start to feel? Lack of confidence. (laughs) This whole whole process, this whole journey, not just the podcast, but my life, powerlifting, parenting, figuring out this adulthood life, figuring out just the day-to-day shit that you have to put together to have some semblance of reality that doesn't feel like it's going to bury you into the ground and just become this huge overly burden. Uh, confidence is something I know because I've had such a negative identity association. And what I mean by negative identity association, that's like you define yourself or I define myself by what I am not. So rather than saying what I am, I will define myself by what I am not. Uh, and that is a trait we all have. If you stop and think about it, how many times do you say I am not fill in the blank, right? Uh, And usually, and this is my experience, it's a negative association. So that's going to be like, I'm not strong. I'm not smart. Uh, I'm not capable. I'm not good enough. Um, I'm not one of those people. I'm not financially off enough, you know, or whatever the case might be. Right. So it's always going to be like, I'm not enough. I'm not attractive enough. I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't speak that language or I don't live those. I don't know those people or I've never done that. It's always about a negative association about what, who we're not or what we haven't done. And I feel like when I have that approach, um, it has to do with the confidence and whether that and where the hell that even comes from. Right. So where do we draw from? What do we draw from? Where do we go to find this thing called confidence? And you don't need me to tell you how much that affects the entirety of your life day to day, right? How you interact, uh, First of all, how you think about yourself from the time you wake up in the morning, what are some of the first thoughts that we have, right? Well, there's all, I mean, everyone's going to be different, but some of mine is like, (laughs) why why the hell am I getting up this early? (laughs) 
uh, well, the last few weeks I've been on, on night shifts. So, um, it's more, I don't know. That's, that's kind of a separate thing. That's just how life goes sometimes. But, uh, just think about some of the first things that you have, right? Like I wake up and some of the first things I think of, and I had to retrain myself. And it's sometimes it's like, why am I even doing this? I don't know if I can do this. Like, holy shit. This is like, I'm not rested. You start thinking about all the nights. I didn't get enough sleep. I'm too tired. I can't do this. And um, this is all going to tie into our own, uh, like that story, that uh, the narrative that we have in our head, just the way we interpret our reality, how we kind of interact with the, the day-to-day things. Um, but let me, I, I could get into this and digress and turn into this sort of like soapbox type thing, but... What I want to do is, uh, this is episode number five, and usually on the fifth week, you know, we take a little bit of a deload in powerlifting. So I'm going to take a little bit of a deload and go back and uh, shed a little bit more on my background, my personal story. Um, That's one that sometimes I run on the assumption that people kind of know what's going on, where I'm from, who I am, where I'm going, and that kind of thing. I've dropped uh, little tidbits here and there. But, uh, so much of what I have experienced is tied to confidence and confidence being the top tier word, but underneath it, it's going to be all the broken down variations. Uh, mostly my lack of confidence and uh, what I did, what I've done and what I went through with that situation. And then how that all ties into now what I do with it and how it ties into powerlifting. So, um, Starting at a young age, I can remember the first time I experienced what we would call a lack of confidence. And that was probably around fairly young, eight or nine years old. Um, Prior to that point, uh, my life was I have a great family. I have great parents. Um, They were divorced uh, when I was in third grade, so about eight, nine years old. Uh, Up until that point, I remember my life, like I was pretty much the center, me and my brother, we were essentially like the center of my dad's life. I mean, that he was super, back then he was still in his mid-20s, super young, tons of energy. I loved it. It was like having a big brother, you know what I mean? Like he he would get so excited to come home. I mean, we lived in the middle of the Mojave Desert. Uh, no neighbors anywhere, acres and acres and acres. It literally felt like it was miles before we can see another house. And as kids, we thought this was amazing. Like no neighbors, like nothing out there. We had open terrain and our life was essentially motocross and BMX. And uh, it was great. I loved it. Um, I remember some of my earliest memories were uh, my dad packing us up. He'd get home from work and he'd take us to the track like every single day. And we would go because this is the 80s, keep in mind. And BMX was huge back in the 80s. It's kind of coming back now, but it's more like if you can do backflips over the Great Wall of China, that kind of thing. But we go every single day and he walked the track with us. And he, he like he repetitively over and over and over again, like he would. I think he may have even videotaped us back. Oh, I'm really dating myself. VHS tapes. He would tape us going around the track and he'd get us to know the track and he'd walk us through the track and. We, we do that track so many times, we can almost do it blindfolded. Like, I had that track memorized. So by the time we would go and race on the weekends, 
I mean, me and my brother just dominated the races because we we had we were so confident in what we were doing. And I felt like that really set me up for what it takes in terms of getting to that point to acquire that kind of confidence is a lot of repetitive work, like a lot of practice, a lot of effort. And my dad, of course, made it fun, too. So you got to have like uh, positive reinforcement. So that was pretty much my childhood up until I was about seven, eight years old. You know, we'd, we'd be out there and, uh, you know, he'd always, I think during the summer times, he'd make sure he had, he left us with gas. So we'd always go out and ride our little, you know, back then we were little, so we were riding our little fifties out in the desert and he built us these little trails and, you know, he took us out and he basically made us really, uh, confident in where we're at from our house and, uh, just our reference. So we knew we wouldn't get lost and we knew where we were and we, he made us comfortable with, uh. Everything from gun safety to using their, you know, just everything around the house. He taught us how to drive. I mean, he taught me how to drive a stick shift before I was probably in kindergarten. And, you know, it was just, it was a really great upbeat childhood. Uh, my brother and I are only about a year and a half apart. And uh, that was, that was the, some of the greatest memories. Very, it was, it was competitive, but it was never like overbearing pressure competitive. Um, I don't remember really paying attention to if I won the race. I just wanted to be the fastest, but there was never any like, uh, over exaggeration on, Oh, you're the best. You're the champion. You get first place. But most of it had to do with, um, I had fun and I learned to be confident in my ability. Right. So like, as I was doing those types of races, um, it was just the full type of experience. And uh, it was really cool. It's cool having boxes and boxes of trophies, like so many trophies that you can't, when you're a kid, man, like you have no space for them. You know, you just start putting them in boxes, but it was, a, it was a ton of fun. And uh, I can remember right after that point, um, shortly after my parents had gone through divorce, that was when everything just kind of shifted. Um, you know, obviously the, the BMX wasn't there anymore. Um, or the, our motorcycle, all that stuff was pretty much gone. I'd out, I'd either outgrown it or kind of we've changed our life and our interest. And uh, I got more into like team type sports, right? That was around the same time. So it seemed like that was when soccer started coming around, baseball started coming around. And um, I me mean, personally, I can't pinpoint exactly what happened, but that was right around the time that I started kind of looking to food for that comfort. That was sort of like my outlet. And I went from this skinny little kid. And um, I remember, shoot, man, like by the time I hit fourth grade, like all of a sudden I was like the chubby kid. <laughs> it took a little bit about, it took about a year, but I remember like being this short little four foot, nothing, you know, over a hundred pounds. And uh, that was like, all of a sudden I started realizing, not that anything was said to me directly, but I remember I did not feel confident. Like all of a sudden I couldn't move the same uh, when we go out on, on recess or, you know, you do PE with the teachers, or whatever. I was all of a sudden, I wasn't the one that got chosen. Like it's the total stupid cliche movies of all the, the, all the stuff that we hear about and talk about. Like I was that kid, you know, like I was the one that didn't get chosen. Like I was the one the the girls didn't talk about, uh, but I was the cute little funny guy, you know. Oh, look at that chubby little funny cute kid with the curly hair. And uh, so I remember like that that started right around that time, and then slowly that lack of confidence, uh, just because I started feeling it that way, I started owning it. And uh, 
I had it started with like how I I felt on the inside. I felt you know could have, a lot of it had to do with the divorce and uh, all those other types of issues we had to go through. And I didn't really have the health, healthy coping strategies. I had a an amazing family around me, a, a great support system. Um, but there's so many things in, internally that I couldn't really process, and it started to manifest uh, outside, right? So through eating and gaining weight and that kind of thing. But what happened was, is that as I gained weight, all of a sudden, everything else internally started changing too, right? So I started like I was a really good student, and I just stopped giving a shit. Uh, I didn't really care about uh, grades. I didn't really care about anything, and uh, I didn't really. I mean, I still would go off for sports, but man, honestly, I put out like no effort. I felt like I didn't belong there. I mean, there was just so many things that it was starting to really screw up my life. And I carried that with me all the way into adulthood. Um, I don't think it was really until about like 17 years old. So by then I'd gone from, you know, it's fairly chubby. I, I did not choose the right friends to be around. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier on in the intro that I had that, uh, imposter syndrome. And I, I had that all the time. Like I felt like I wasn't the athletic one, that I wasn't the good one. I wasn't the fast one. I wasn't the home run hitter. I wasn't the the fullback, the linebacker, the quarterback, any of those things. I was pretty much just the stand-in filler, right? right? Like the guy, like the, the one that gets the minimum play time and, you know, he's never on the starting position. Like that was me. That was my, my entire life. Like the guy who had so much potential but never did anything with it, like that, that kid, that was pretty much my life. And um, I'm not sure what happened, but uh, through my many summers of summer school, uh, which is funny because I had to <laughs> go back. If you know me, like I, I'm really into humanities now, English literature, whatnot, but uh, that's a class I failed most often in high school. <laughs> so hopefully my kids aren't listening to this. But anyways, I – I was redoing uh, English going into my senior year, and uh, oh man, I could do a whole podcast on on my my academics. Holy cow! Like uh, I don't even know how I graduated any from from seventh grade to twelfth grade. I don't know how they permitted me. Uh, I'm I'm secretly I'm suspicious that it had to do with just because of who I am and who I'm related to because I did not do I did nothing I I don't know how I got out of it I didn't get my head out of my ass until I was about 20 years old uh, but anyways I I decided one day randomly so this is like during summer school and uh, I was just sitting there thinking like man I had shit friends you know like I I didn't feel like I belonged but I was I was you know, I could go between all the quote unquote, you know, the crowds, like the cool guys and the party guys. And, you know, back in California, you know, you know who you are, the guys that had the hookups and the guys who had the older siblings or the parents or whoever, whoever can buy and spot and do whatever. So that was like, I could go between all that crowd, but I never really felt like I belonged. Right. I always felt like if it was too many of the popular crowd or too many of the certain type of crowd, like I felt like I didn't belong there. And uh, I remember going to going into my senior year, just feeling like I don't know who the hell I was. Like I had so many things going on inside my head. I was I had such a lack of identity. Um, so many emotions going on, and uh, I I was trying to get it out <laughs> through the usual ways, you know, like dyeing your hair, how you dress, the music that you listen to, uh, trying to, you know. The, the usual teenager type things. Uh, but one day I decided 
I set my alarm for 5.30 in the morning. I had no conversation. Um, and this is before, the, I mean, it was the internet wasn't even around. It was around, but we didn't use it. So I had like no, there's no magazines. There's no TV shows, no inspirational calendars, like nothing. I just looked at my alarm clock and I said, you know, what? I'm going to get up at 5.30 and I'm going to go run. I had no plan. I didn't process through anything in terms of what I was going to eat, if I needed to bring, bring some water, what I was going to wear, like nothing. I just said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to set my alarm for 5.30. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to go to the track. And uh, at that point, I, I was in walking distance from our school, which had the track. So I got up and I went to track. I didn't really have a plan. I just said, I'm going to run and then I'm going to stop when I'm done. So I think at that point, I would go around the track and do a couple sprints. And then I went up and down the stairs, you know, up the stairs on the, in the, audit, in the, the up in the stands. And I run up the stairs, run over, go down the stairs, like all the way across. And then I run the track again. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, I guess I'm done. So went home and stretched and, I just was like, okay, cool. I did it. And then I did it the next day. And then I did it the day after that. And then um, once the uh, I signed up to do varsity football, uh, I had not played any sports. I think I did J, like my 10th grade year, I think I did baseball. Uh, and that was basically, I was on the team. I didn't really do anything. But my senior, going into my senior year, the coach kind of talked me into, goes, hey, man, you should, you should try out. You probably be pretty fast. So uh, as I was running the, that season, that summer, um, the open gym started, started up. So uh, if you do remember me mentioning uh, in high school, I did the bench and biceps workout, <laughs> the teenage important workout, you know. So uh, that's where that started. And that was kind of the same thing. I was like, yeah, cool. I'll do football, whatever. I mean, I wasn't a very – I wasn't like gigantic or anything. I wasn't – stupendous nobody would look at me and be like wow then look at that guy he's a middle linebacker he'll break your collarbone you know um so i started just kind of going to the gym running every single day with no plan and i started i think i was about 180 185 pounds of no muscle at five foot seven and uh during that summer from running and going to the gym and i, and I go to the open gym after summer school so i'd be in summer school from seven to noon and i'd be in that gym from one to five or maybe 12 i don't remember it was four hours and i, I would just train and train and train no plan i had no idea what the fuck i was doing but i went and i did it and i think that was what i needed for me was i just needed to do something right no one told me what to do there's no schedule there's no routine there's no expectations. I just wanted to do it. I needed to do it for me. Um, so I don't know if that has anything to do uh, with my personality or my energy type or genetics or who knows. But I just know that one day I woke up and decided to do something. And once I started doing something, I saw a change in my confidence level. Right. So then but then here's what happened. I, I cut down. Um, and obviously I didn't know anything about nutrition, recovery, calories, none of that shit. I didn't know anything about it. I cut down and I think I was like 143 pounds. Um, I didn't know what overtraining is. This is 1996. You know, I, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I would just get up and I would run and then I would eat frosted mini wheats and milk or whoever. I didn't know anything about protein powders. I didn't know anything about how many carbs I needed. I didn't know what calories were. So I ended up losing like 40 pounds in a matter of like two months. And uh, as a teenager, that's a substantial amount of weight because you have a, a higher 
metabolism back then. And I just remember the coach, like what I interpreted was positive reinforcement. Like, oh man, check this out. Hensler's, you know, he's down to 160. And then a little while later, hey, check it out. You know, Hensler's down to 150. And, you know, then we started doing uh, training and conditioning in the summer. And I just started realizing like, holy shit, I am fast. Like I am so freaking fast. And the coaches were talking about, yeah, we'll we'll put you on special teams and you could get down the field and, you know, we'll we'll see where we can put you. And I, you know, I'm thinking like because I do bench and I got big arms and not big, you know what I mean? I was doing curls, but uh, an occasional I do barbell rows and, and I was doing all the running. So, you know, I didn't have to train my legs, you know, that teenage rationale. And uh, I started interpreting that as a good thing. Like, oh, hey, the more I do. And the more weight I lose, the more reinforcement I'm getting, right? Because up until this point, I didn't really get a whole lot. That's my interpretation. So then I started getting this huge buildup of confidence. But here's what happens. What do you think what happens? You put a little hundred like me who uh, I knew I was fast. And I go. it's a lot different when you go and get put into a game against a, some big old mother effers. And, uh, man, I got knocked on my ass <laughs> so, so damn fast. Uh, yeah, I was fast, but I was not super aggressive and I did not have a whole lot behind me. So like I would hit and I would literally like bounce. Off. I remember, I remember watching this tape of me going around. I was on defensive end. I remember coming around the corner fast as shit. Like I would spin around people so quick. I remember hitting the quarterback and literally bouncing off of him. <laughs> he was, Oh man, it's so funny to think about that shit. I mean, over 20 years ago, but it's funny to think. It's it's funny to me now. Um, but the whole point of this is that I started interpreting outside reinforcement, whether it's comp uh, compliments or whatever. It's uh, you know people bring attention to it as a good thing, right? But it, it wasn't until a little later, uh, especially like in adulthood, I took I took this with me, and I think that's where I kept my 140 ish pound uh, mindset that that's like supposed to be a good thing. Stay small, stay thin, whatever the case might be. Cause this eventually it turned into like the low fat. That was the low fat era. And then eventually became low carbs and all that kind of bullshit. But um, so what happened was I wasn't very good out in the field. I wasn't that great. So then I was like, well, fuck it. All this effort doesn't do anything for me. And then all of a sudden, like, what good is it for me to do all this if I'm not going to be playing? So then my whole attitude just kind of shifted, right? So what happened was the reinforcement left and I did not have the confidence to do any sort of improvement or do anything about it. I was like, well, shit, like uh, I'm not going to play anyway. So what the hell is the point? So then I kind of just went back to it, right? So I went back and I kind of did the party in and gained a little bit of weight back. My attitude changed and everything just kind of changed. So, that was pretty much from nine until 18. And that was my whole attitude is a lack of confidence. And I took that into, into adulthood. Right. So I, I mean, school was so intimidating. I didn't think of myself as smart. I did not think of myself as articulate. I did not think of myself as having the ability to read and comprehend any sort of book, uh, any sort of subject and be able to go up, take it on back. And, um, be able to prove and not necessarily prove, but show myself to be like a good student. So, you know, I went to a community college because I did not take any of my SATs because there's no point in it. I mean, I did not even, I don't even think I passed algebra in high school. So when I went to college, like, here's the mindset. They're like, Hey, did you take your ACTs or whatever else? Some other basic academic testing. I was like, Nope, sure. Didn't. I don't need to just put me in the lowest class that you have. 
So I went into college and I signed up for remedial English and remedial math. And by remedial, I'm talking like sentence structure English, like basics, nouns, pronouns, adjectives, adverbs, like all that stuff, like how to write a sentence. And in math, I'm pretty sure it was a little lower than pre-algebra. So maybe like what I would have learned in fifth or sixth grade. And, uh, but that w- I was okay with that. Cause I, w- I did not want to go in there and be set myself up for failure by doing a test that was going to tell me that, uh, anyways. So I, I took this whole approach lacking confidence into adulthood. I did get through college. Um, I did, you know, eventually figure it out. Um, but it was still, I was so dependent on the outside, uh, influences, the opinions of others. I didn't really own who I was, what my ability was. Um, and, uh, I took that until I was 30 years old. And, uh, I did mention that, you know, when I, I met my ex-wife when I was 20, we were married. I was 21. She was 25 and, uh, we started our family, you know, like I, I kind of just went into this funk and I checked out, like I was, I was so checked out. I would have so many different fluctuations of energy and inspirations. And, you know, like I wasn't really sure um, what, where, what direction my life was. I thought I was on this path. I thought I was going where I needed to be. And, you know, I, I kind of got into this mode where I had to like prove myself. And uh, that's when I realized I had so much negative self-talk. And I, I didn't know where it came from, but I had like all those years, compounding years of insecurity and lack of confidence. And uh, eventually it culminated, um, you know, when I was when I was 30, uh, my ex-wife and I, we know we had that conversation. I was well aware of it. Uh, we were in a very tumultuous, very emotionally bad place. And uh, anyways, I I finally just had to figure out what the hell was to do. Who am I? This this whole confidence thing, right? And this is what I've learned is that it really just comes down to knowing who you are. And lack of identity was the biggest um, factor for me is not knowing who I am. And once you start figuring out who you are, you'll realize that every single day is just a one step journey. It's not a, it's not finality. You're not going to figure out who you are. I'm like, well, done, right? There, my job's over. I, I know who I'm at. So I'm going to check that off the list and uh, they'll send me a certificate in the mail and, you know, hashtag own it. (laughs) So what I can say is that confidence to me is directly linked to identity, right? And then, and I spent so much of my life trying to be what I thought others wanted me to be or who I thought I was supposed to be or aligning myself with something or somebody else. And the more I pursued some ideology or some image or some facade, like the more I got consumed by this lack of confidence, right? Because ultimately each one of us, we're all autonomous and we have to answer for ourselves, right? Like no one's going to go to my dad and be like, Hey, what is, why does David do this? I know I was going to go to my mom and say, Hey, why does, you know, what's David's problem? Like, it's all like, it's all entirely up to me and trying to figure out who I am. It's led all the way up to this point, right? It's been, it's been a long journey to figure out who I am. And the thing I can say is that 
initially I started strength training because I needed it for emotional coping strategies, right? Because it was either that or being really self-destructive. So, and as I started training, then you start realizing there's this whole part of potential inside of you. There's this whole emotional and chemical, physiological, uh, mental, emotional side um, that's going to be coming out as you're training and putting all that resistance on your body. And through the course of powerlifting, you learn and learn and learn more and more what you can, can't do, what you should, shouldn't do. So many things about yourself, things that you didn't even know you're capable of, whether you sleep, don't sleep, whether you have food, don't have food. And there's so much of this directly linked to confidence. And the thing is, is like, it's okay to not know everything. And it's okay to not know who you are. And it's okay to admit that you feel fucked up. It is all right. It took me a long time and I'm just now barely getting into this stage where I'm trying to figure out who I am. So when you hear me talk and be transparent and be vulnerable, this is only a recent thing. And um, I mean, just this re recording took me like five false starts. I, I'll talk for a couple minutes. I'm like, fuck it, man. Like, that's not what I want to say. And uh, But I just got to, I'm going to talk into the mic and I'm going to put it out there. And um, hopefully this is beneficial for you. I feel like powerlifting has so many different facets to it uh, that they cannot be ignored. You, you don't want to just get into it and overwhelm yourself all at once. But just know the more you do something, the more confident you're going to become, right? And the more confident you become, the more joy that you're going to find in this whole process. So I'm going to close this one out. Thanks for listening. Check out garagegympowerlifting.com, free resources. We got banners and pair all sorts of good shit. Email me, david at garagegympowerlifting.com. And just remember, be your own damn inspiration. Find that greatness that is inside of you. Go in there, find that weight, find whatever it is that you need, and own that shit. We'll talk to you next time.